0: Welcome to Unsolicited Book Review. No one explicitly asked me to review these books in particular, which is why they're unsolicited book reviews. They just happen to be ones I enjoyed recently. I read across genres and really whatever happens to come across my path. Sometimes it's a book mentioned within another book that I'm currently reading. Other times it's from an interview with an author or just a new book from a favorite author. And sometimes someone else recommended I read the book for whatever reason. Often if that's the case, I've forgotten where the recommendation came from by the time I get around to reading it. Oops, each episode is going to have somewhere between three and five reviews and be roughly five minutes long each, give or take. Good? Let's go! Uh, today's book is Alison Bechdel's Dykes to Watch Out For, uh, the audiobook. Um, if you think Bechdel sounds familiar but you can't quite place it, uh, you've probably heard of the Bechdel Test, if nothing else. Um, but she wrote comic pres- Uh, for a variety of publications from, I don't know, like 1983 to 2008, I think. Um, This collects basically the first five or six years, I believe. Um, I think it ends, I think it goes from like 83 to 87. Um, And um, it's voiced by people like Roxanne Gay and... Um, Jane Lynch, and there's a bunch of other names. Uh, those are the two I was most excited about. And, um, it was really fun to, to listen to. Um, this is the, the Bechdel test, which is, um, basically a character says they only go to movies where that meets a couple requirements. Um, three basic requirements. One is it has to have at least two women in it. They have to talk to each other about something other than a man. Um, and that's gone on to be used for a number of different reasons. But one of the things that this um, audiobook does that is really exciting. So I've I've listened to The Sandman and some other comic adaptations, and they the ones that do it well do a really good job of having a great cast of characters. They're consistent throughout. Um, but then they also... You know, populate the soundscape as well. So, you know, if they are um, walking, you hear footsteps. You know, if you um, if they're at a uh, at a, a rally or something, you hear a lot of crowd noise, and um, and you really can get lost in that. And, and Bechtel does a really good job of um, you know her frames have all kinds of interesting imagery. So if you um, haven't taken the time to go through and investigate her actual, um, her actual written comics, um, and drawn comics, then, um, you still get a sense of what's going on in the background of those frames as well. Um, her books or her comics have been collected a bunch of different, um, volumes, I guess. And, um, this one I think is just called Dykes to Watch Out For, which was, the original title of the of the strip that she used to do um, they're mostly a single page kind of comic um, I know that she published some in the Advocate and um, some other ones that went on after that but uh, in terms of audiobook it's fairly short I think it was like three and a half hours um, but very entertaining and it's a real interesting snapshot of the United States and you know what was happening at that time so You know, most of the storylines are just about, you know, what a a lesbian couple does on their, you know, what what their life is like. But then there's also all of the politics that seep in as well. Um, It kind of culminates in a trip to Washington, D.C. for for a rally, I think in 1987. Um, But anyway, really enjoyed it. I would definitely recommend Ellison Bechdel's Thanks to Watch Out For. Today's book is Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver, and if you think that name sounds familiar but you've never heard the book, then you probably heard about or read Poisonwood Bible. Um, oddly enough, I did not read it, I think, because everybody was talking about it, and I don't know, sometimes that rubs me the wrong way, <laughs> so I still haven't read that one, but I did read this one. Um, she won the Pulitzer last year, so it's not like she needs promotion or anything like that, um, but... I read the book and so I thought I would review it. I enjoyed it as well. Um, One of the things, well, first of all, Demon Copperhead kind of works like David Copperfield, and she addresses, like, yes, this was intentionally a nod to Charles Dickens' book, um, you know, which was fairly autobiographical, um, both of them, um, for a couple different reasons. But with David Copperfield, uh, Dickens was writing about institutionalized poverty and struggling to to rise up and overcome those difficulties. And he he would not have called it that necessarily. Um, But, you know, that's kind of the story of David Copperfield. And it's also, spoiler alert, the story of Demon Copperhead, um, which Demon Copperhead you'll learn quickly is a nickname for the main character. Um, A lot of the characters have nicknames in the story. Um, It is kind of in um, Southern Appalachia um, Kentucky, Tennessee, that kind of area. Um, very rural. Um, the story is told first person like David Copperfield. Um, it does a really good job of just kind of grabbing you and keep going. Um, so many books I feel like nowadays have a introductory chapter that is, you know, something that happens in the middle of the book or towards the end of the book, you know, just to kind of hook you. And one of the things I, I really appreciate about this book is it doesn't play any tricks like that. It just starts and goes. Um, and the voice is very compelling and engaging. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I listened to it uh, through the library's Libby system. And um, yeah, that's why I got the little piece of paper instead. Um But yeah, the the book is, it's good. It's, it's a big book. Um, I think it was 22 hours to listen to something like that. Um, And, um, but it didn't lose my interest. You know, I I kept being engaged and very interested in it. Um, And, you know, ultimately the character struggles with addiction, um, the oxy um, epidemic, definitely is covered in there and and i'm always interested in kind of why these books win the prizes they do and i feel like i mean obviously king King solver has the mastery of the language and um, craft for sure and then i think also story it was very timely and compelling there as well so anyway i would definitely recommend demon copperhead if you haven't already read it or haven't already heard other people raving about it um it definitely lives up to the hype uh, today's book is Trust by Hernan Diaz. Um, picked it up at Kama Bookstore up in Linden Hills. Um, cool little store. I Had a nice chat with Victoria, and she said they had used this as kind of a book club event, um, and won the Pulitzer Prize, you know. So I don't. It probably doesn't really need my promotion, um, but I thought I would do something a little different with this one. As you know, a, a former English instructor, I often Read books and think of them in conversation with one another. Um, I almost always am building kind of classes in my head um, around uh, the other books I'd pair with it and kind of um, what I don't know what kind of conversation I want the authors to have. Um, so I'm wildly unfamiliar with Hernan Diaz's work. Unfortunately, this is really the first one I've read. Um, if you just very briefly, um, it's broken into four parts. Uh, the first part is a novel, uh, which is a fictionalized account of the nonfiction fiction that you get later. Um, and so the names are changed, but the storyline is essentially the same. The next part then is the attempt at a memoir or autobiography um, of the male character in the novel. And then you get a memoir from his secretary who writes about his, her experience. And then at the very end, you get the wife's perspective um, that reveals things that were kept secret in the previous parts. Um, it's on one level. It's all about finance. Um, it takes place in kind of between the 1880s and 1940s. Uh, Because you trace the family lineage back a little ways. And um, the family has a bunch of money and investing plays a huge part in it. Um, It just so happens that I had recently read this book, uh, The Panic of 1907, by Robert Brunner and Sean Carr. Um, And that panic plays a big role in this book, which is weird. I didn't intend it that way, but because I had read it, um, it really was interesting because I could see how much research Hernan Diaz had done to make this stuff accurate. Um, One thing that the panic in 1907 book does is it does a really nice job of contextualizing what the panic was, what came before it, what came after it. And then also talks about why uh, it's relevant today. You know, like why should we care about these things from the past Um, And so if I were building a class, we would probably read sections of this, maybe. Um, I don't know that I would sign the whole book, um, but it would definitely inform a nice historical basis for this. Um, The other part that is, I think, interesting in terms of thinking about what would go well with trust is um, another book that talks about silences. So even though the Book trust is about finance and husband wife relationship and society and those kind of things. Um, what I found most interesting were kind of the gaps in the story. Um, you know the the fictionalized the the novel piece of this. Um, you know is obviously distant from the memoir pieces. Um, but then even when you get into Parts of the husband's memoir, there's literal gaps. Um, you know, it's sketched in. It's like, oh, talk about mother here and um, philosophic treatment, um, you know, and so there's, there's literal gaps and silences where he doesn't fill in the full story for you. And similarly, when we get to the memoir of his secretary assistant, Um, she leaves pieces out, but makes connections that he didn't. And then when we get to the wife's account, you know, you get all of these other things that have been silenced from before. And and one of the the books that, um, I think does a really good job talking about silences is another Diaz, Juno Diaz, um, the brief wondrous life of Oscar Wilde. Um, this one, it's kind of interesting and, and Diaz has gone Juno Diaz has gone on record talking about how important silences are, that a lot of times when you have a narrator or character giving lots of information, um, you should pay attention to what they're not saying that sometimes by coming so forth, being so forthcoming about some stuff means you're leaving a lot of other things out. Um, and then lastly is this little book, um, by Louise Erdrich shadow tag, which I don't know anybody, who's read this i mean i've encouraged a couple of people to read it and we've had some conversations but like i it's it's such a weird book um but it would work in this context because the, the premise of shadow tag is that um the wife and i don't remember the, her name unfortunately um keeps a diary and the husband doesn't know what's going on so he's reading her diary but she knows he's reading her diary so she keeps two diaries one's in a safe deposit box and one is um one where she manipulates what you know is actually happening in her life um so that she can kind of verify if he's snooping or not and so it's all about secrets and silence and who you trust so the trust in this one <laughs> works neatly uh, because of trust and money. Um, but also, like, who's the reliable narrator here? Who is, which which story is true? Um, who do you believe and kind of why? So um, anyway, that is kind of a weird roundabout review, I guess, of Hernan Diaz's trust. Um, but I think it would work really good in conjunction with um, the shadow tag and Brief, wondrous life of Oscar Wilde, or you could use um, any number of his other books as well. So, um, and then Panic as well, perhaps. So, uh, today's book review is really a threefer. Uh, they're all by Hugh Howey. Uh, there's Wool, Shift, and Dust, um, and these are the books that the recent TV series on Apple TV. Um, silo are based on. If you haven't seen the TV show, obviously, it doesn't matter. Um, you can still enjoy the books on their on their own. Um, the basic premise is we're in a future America where um, they have built silos to protect people from um, from the post apocalyptic world outside, and so they live underground. And there's a very regimented structure of the culture, and um, they don't know what's outside, and they their history has been forgotten. And you know, of course, some characters end up digging up some of that history and finding that. And um, yeah, so if you haven't if you haven't seen the series and you want to watch the TV series and not have spoilers, uh, you should stop now because uh, I am going to talk a little bit about kind of what happens and how it breaks down in the books versus the TV show. Um, but I will say in general, like there are pretty significant changes between the books and the, and the series. And I'm, I'm always super interested in adaptations, but again, if you don't want spoilers, stop. Um, so Hugh Holly, how he wrote these books, um, wool was originally written as a short story in 2011. And Shift then I think was maybe written as a series of novellas in 2012. And then Dust is in 2013. Um, And obviously the TV series just came out, I think, this year. Um, So he's had a lot of time to think about it. And he's actually really involved in the process of the TV show as a producer. So I'm always really interested in that adaptation. And I would imagine as an author, it's another crack at the apple to like, go like, get those things right. That maybe weren't quite satisfied with, but then it was in print. And so that just lived on. Um, and to me it feels like that having watched the first season and then having read the books, I feel like the TV series is a more polished version. Um, and honestly kind of more interesting. Um, It's the same basic premise, but some things change. So, um, for instance, Wool, the first book, only represents about the first. uh, I I mean, season one of the Apple TV show only represents about a third of the first book. A lot more happens in it. Um, So, you know, Juliet discovers that there are other silos, and she actually finds one and meets another character in there, and then you get that character's backstory, and then You know, by the end of book one, Wool, um, Juliet goes back to her original silo and is declared mayor. Um, And so, like, none of that's in season one. So it'll be interesting to see how they continue to adapt it. Um, When we get to Shift, Shift is really a flashback. Um, It is essentially how the silos were made and why they were made and the people involved in it. Um, and then when you get to Dust, it picks up um, where book one left off. And so now you have, you know, the knowledge of where the silos came from and who built them. And then in book three, all those stories converge. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting series. I like the idea. Uh, I think the thing that stuck with me most is in one of the scenes, and I'm not going to get it exactly right, but one of the lines is... Um, why spend all our money going to explore a new planet because we've ruined ours when we can just ruin ours and treat it like a new planet? Um, and you know, so the the big spoiler is that you realize the uh, American government and well, a sect, a group, an elite group of the government and military has destroyed the planet uh, intentionally so they can control uh, the outcome and who survives. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, compelling story. Um, I will continue watching the series, um, and see how they adapt it. Um, I mean, the big differences between the series and the books are, um, definitely more diversity in characters and and more depth. Um, you know, the characters are a little more intriguing in the series. Um, they've combined some of the characters in the book, um and in the process I think made the characters on the T V series much more compelling and interesting. But anyway, Wool Shift Dust, Hugh Howie. Um I would recommend, and if you haven't seen the series, uh, definitely check it out. Uh today's book is Mind hunter Inside what is the rest of the title? Inside the FBI's Elite Serial Crime Unit. Um which is by John Douglas and Mark Allshaker. Ah, All shaker? Um, Douglas, John Douglas was the guy, um, he's the former FBI agent who kind of tells the story. And, and kind of like the silo books, um, I watched the show first. So I watched Mindhunters, um, which is super interesting. It's on Netflix. There's only like two seasons. And it seemed like there definitely could have been more. Um, but I was very curious about the book it was based on. So I got this through Libby, um, which is just through our library system and audiobook And, um, it was, I mean, it's nonfiction and really John Douglas just kind of tells the story of how they developed criminal profiling, um, how they, um, kind of built the serial crime unit, um, You know, he walks you through all of the famous cases um, of serial killers that he worked with, like Son of Sam and um, was it the Green River. I can't remember what the rest of that name is, Um, but, you know, he did a bunch of interviews with former serial killers that were I guess I should say serial killers that were incarcerated Um, and use that research in those interviews to really build the profiling piece of it. Um, so if you've seen the series, the series just kind of jumps in and it's, it's very exciting and interesting and they're working cases. Uh, the book, it's probably about like one third of it, is kind of setting it up, um, talking about just kind of his role and his background and that kind of stuff. And it's not really until you get to the middle third of the book that then you start getting the cases and he gets very graphic. I mean, he graphically describes exactly what he's seeing. Um, He talks how he kind of strategizes when he wants to interview somebody um, to manipulate them, you know, to intentionally choose dates when a holiday is coming up or a birthday or something that this person might be emotionally connected to and how to use some of that leverage against them. Um, And anyway, it's very interesting to kind of hear somebody systematically walk through how to profile people. um, You know, in this case, obviously murderers and um, how to, how to get them to talk when they are otherwise very invested in not doing that. So a little long, honestly, kind of for my like, but I found myself really enjoying it and finding it fascinating. Um, so anyway, I would definitely recommend Mindhunter John Douglas and his uh, co-writer, Mark Allshaker. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about me at my webpage, michaelmacbride.com or on most social media platforms with the same handle, at michaelmacbride. That's M-A-C-B-R-I-D-E, like Mac and Bride. Let me know what you're listening to, or if you read one of these books, leave me a comment and let me know what you thought. Have a great day.